Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Neil McGeever. Praise God, yeah. So if you're taking notes, typing notes, taking notes, um, I want you to write down four scripture references, okay? Four scripture references. So the first one is Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11. Second one is Mark 11. Chapter, or verses 1 to 11. Mark 11, 1 to 11. The third one is Luke 19. Luke 19, verses 28 to 44. And the fourth one is John chapter 12, verses 12 to 19. And we're not going to be going through all of these. <laughs> so Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11. Mark 11, 1 to 11. Luke 19, 28 to 44. And John 12, 12 to 19. So originally when I was praying about what I was going to be speaking about today, um, and I was starting to write everything, all my notes down and the things that the Lord was showing me, I named this, this sermon The Triumphant Entry. But then as I went through and um, the Lord was showing me things as I was going through the scriptures and, and reading all of these accounts, just oh, by the way, these four sets of scriptures are all the gospel's accounts of the triumphant entry. When Jesus came in on the colt and the foal, and they were waving the palm branches and laying their clothing down on the floor. And, and so it's, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's account of that. Um, but as I went through my, uh, and was writing down the notes and listening to the Lord last night, this phrase kept coming up, just wait a week. Just wait a week. Just wait a week. So the name of the sermon is Just Wait a Week. <laughs> and we're mainly going to be in Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11, and we'll pop over to some other scriptures um, once in a while here. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, let's just read the whole account here first. Hallelujah. Uh, Matthew chapter 21, 1 to 11. And it says, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethpage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. 
And if any man say aught to you, that means if any man says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. He'll let them go with you. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put it on, put on them their clothes, and they set them thereon. And a very great multitude sp- spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is, is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So today, in the the Jewish culture, this is the beginning of what they call Holy Week. And it was the beginning of the the feast and festival and the preparation for for Passover, the lamb that was going to be slain. And that's happening next week, and that's what Easter is about. Hallelujah. So let's go back to verses uh, 2 to 5 and read those. Saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, Thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. Hallelujah. So, this is fulfilling a prophecy. And I always, I always believe that we should get the word of God in front of our eyes so that we can actually see it. So, first, let's go turn to this prophecy and see what it says. Okay? And that's in Zechariah 9, verse 9. Zechariah Chapter 9, verse 9. So keep your place here in Matthew 21 and move over there. Now, Zechariah is very close to the end of the New Testament, or uh, Old Testament. There we go. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It says... Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. That's almost verbatim what it says right here in chapter 21 of Matthew. Hallelujah. Jesus, now... Let me set the stage here for you. So Jesus knew the Old Testament. He knew all of the scriptures of the Old Testament, of the prophets, of the Torah, that talked about him. Now, he just didn't know exactly when they were going to be happening. 
right? He, he did as his father told him to do, and he said what his father told him to say. So Jesus here was doing what his father told him to do and saying what he, his father told him to say. He had a word of knowledge here. He had a word of knowledge. Yes, he knew the scripture, and he knew that this was going to come to pass at some point, but he had a word of knowledge here. Everybody with me? I'm getting some blank stares. <laughs> he knew the scripture that, that prophesied about him, but he wasn't quite sure when it was going to happen. But now he knew this was the time, time for the triumphant entry, time to fulfill this scripture from Zechariah 9, 9. Now, at this point, this is before the cross, right? We're only a week before Jesus went to the cross, but we're still before the cross. The Holy Spirit isn't living in anybody at this point, not until Jesus went to the cross and died again and rose, right? Amen? Everybody with me? So these things were happening to very, very few people. Usually it was only the king, the prophet, and the priest, that was, this was happening to. And in our experience and in our reading of the Gospels, it happened to Peter as well. He had a word of knowledge when Jesus asked, who do you think I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ. Right? So that was a word of knowledge. So this happened extremely rarely. Extremely rarely. <clears throat> but just wait a week. <laughs> just wait a week. See, next weekend, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We, we celebrate the new covenant, the beginning of the new covenant. Jesus going to the cross, dying as the Lamb of God, the Lamb of the tribe of Judah, dying for us on that cross. He then rose again and sent the Comforter so that he can dwell on the inside of us. And now... These things dwell on the inside of us. He had a word of knowledge, and that was very rare. Not for us. Not for us. The things of the Lord are not rare for us. We just had to, they just had to wait the week. And then they get to go into the fullness of what God has for them. We get to walk every day in the fullness of what God has for us. Um, flip over to 1 Corinthians 12. Again, keep your place in Matthew 21. I want you to see something. So in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 7 to 11, it talks about the the gifts of the Spirit. So the word of knowledge is one of those gifts of the Spirit. Now, look at what it says. These are the kind of the bookend scriptures of that, it's, that are on either side of the definition of the, of the gifts of the Spirit. It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Me. Yeah, everybody say me. That's your every man. You're every man. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. 
In the Amplified it says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the evidence, the spiritual illumination of the Spirit for good and profit. He's placed that on the inside of us. He's given it to every man. And so that's verse 7 of chapter 12. And then verse 8 to 10 describes the gifts. But then look at what it says in verse 11. But all these, all these gifts worketh that one and the self-same spirit. So they come from the same spirit, the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. Remember, we waited the week. Amen? Amen? But all these worketh that one and the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. So it says it again. But all these worketh that one and the same self-same spirit, dividing to every man. It reiterates it. It says it again. This is important. Yes, yes. We are every man. Yes, we, are. we are every man. And he gives it as he wills. But it says he's going to give it. Yes. We need to come with expectation that he's going to come and give these things. Right. Amen? Spirit of, by the Spirit, in verse 8, it says, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, or different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of those tongues. That's what this is talking about. They just needed to wait the week. We're just waiting the week. Amen? Now, we don't have to wait the week. They had to wait the week. But we have the fullness of Jesus Christ living on the inside of us. We have the fullness of all these things, all these gifts of the Spirit living on the inside of us. We should wake up every morning expecting something like this to happen in our life. It, it doesn't say, it does say severally as he wills, that's as God wills, but it doesn't say I'm going to pick and choose, I'm going to, I'm going to only do it on Thursdays, or I'm only going to do it on Sundays. It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Spiritual illumination for good and for profit. Now, it may be for us, but mainly it's for other people. It's in us to come out. It's in us to come out. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Wake up expecting these things. They may not be as demonstrative as what happened up here this morning in a Sunday morning church service. But they can be, they can happen just as much and be just as powerful that quietly happen at work. Amen? I've had experience of this at my own work where someone was going through, um, going through some difficulties. One thing had happened that they were kind of expecting to happen and then one thing happened the very next day that they were not expecting to happen. And this person just had, had a, um, a meltdown, really. 
and the Lord gave me gave me these the word of knowledge and some other things to minister to this person before they went home that day. Expect it every day of our lives. Because we don't have to wait the week. It's already here. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Now, staying, go back to, um, let's go to Mark 11. In Mark 11, in, uh, we'll read verse 2, and it, this is Jesus speaking, and he says unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye do this? Say that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. Notice it said that Mark added that no man has sat on this this donkey and its and its baby. No man has sat on it. No one's used this donkey to take grain to the market. No one's used this donkey to go on a vacation. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was reading one commentary about this and in, in this time, in this time frame, back in biblical times, donkeys were like Mercedes. They were very highly sought after. They were very expensive. <laughs> okay, but keep that in your mind. This was a, these were very important animals in the daily lives of people. They used them for everything. They did use them to go on vacation. I don't know if they had vacations back then, but we'll say that they did. <laughs> They, did, they used these donkeys to do everything in their lives. Take stuff to market, go and help with the, the harvest of their fields, or whatever they did, um, take their craft to the market, um, take wood to, um, to their shop to build things, or whatever. That's what these donkeys used, whether it was on their back or they were carry, or pulling a cart. That's what these donkeys were used for. But these ones, these ones... Never a man had sat on. They'd never been used before. They were holy. They were holy. Now, what does holy mean in this context? In the 1828 Webster's Dictionary, holy means hallowed or consecrated or set apart to a sacred use or to the service or worship of God. I'll read that again. Holy means hallowed, consecrated or set apart to a sacred use or to the service or worship of God. These donkeys were set apart to the service and worship of God. They were set apart so that the first thing that they did was bring Jesus in. They were holy. <laughs> Just wait a week. 
just wait a week. We are holy. We are holy. We are consecrated and set apart to the sacred use or to the service and worship of God. That is who we are. Not by anything that we have done. We didn't qualify ourselves to become holy. We did nothing to bring us to that point where God said, yeah, they're holy. Well done. Good job. Woohoo! You're holy. Uh-uh. That's why they had to wait the week. Because Jesus going to the cross paid for us to be holy. He paid the price for us to be holy. To be consecrated or set apart to a sacred use or to the service or worship of God. Jesus paid for that. Jesus paid for that in our lives. As you sit there and you think about this, some people will be thinking about their pasts. Some people will be thinking about what they did yesterday. Some people will be thinking about things they did maybe last week or last month that, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I did that. But that has no bearing. If you've asked forgiveness for those things, Jesus says, the, the Bible says, that those sins are thrown as far as the east is from the west. So think about that for a minute. Okay, just concept, think about this in your mind. So we've got the world spinning in front of us, right? So if I start to go east around the world, and I'm going east around the world, am I ever going to see west if I'm going east around the world? I'm constantly going east around the world. I can never go west if I'm going east. I will never see west if I'm going east. Conversely, if I go west around the world, I will never see east because I'm always going west. I'm always going to the coast of British Columbia. I'm going towards the coast of British Columbia. I'm going west and I will never ever see east. Ever. 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 Jesus has taken your sins and done that with them thrown them so far, he can't even find them. <laughs> he doesn't remember them anymore. Amen. He doesn't remember them anymore. That's why you're holy, because he's taken care of them. Hallelujah. There's a story that's coming up in me, so I'm going to share it with you. It's um, uh, <laughs> there was this minister, and I don't know what at what point in time that was in his ministry. Um, and he w he's a traveling minister, and he was down in the United States somewhere. And he was supposed to preach at this. Um, at the stadium or something like that this evening or a very, very large church. And he had done something earlier that day that he just, he knew it was wrong. It was sin. And, 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 and so he, he got to the, 
got to the building, and he was outside of the building, and he's like, you know what, Lord, you're just going to have to send somebody else in there, man. I just, I know what I've done there. I know what I did earlier, and, and I mean, I repented above, of it, but you know what, I just, I just, it's not me. Nope, you got to find somebody else there. And so he's sitting outside of the, the building, and he's talking to God and telling God that he has to find somebody else to, to preach what God wants him to preach that night. And God says, um, what are you talking about? And the guy's like, what do you mean what am I talking about? You know what I'm talking about. I've been talking about it all afternoon. He goes, sorry, I, I, I don't know. What are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. And so <laughs> this preacher goes through it again. Remember, I did this, 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 and this. And, and God says, well, um, okay, well, did you ask my forgiveness for it? And he goes, well, yeah, of course I did. Of course I did. And then God goes, well, um, then I don't remember it. And the light came on in this preacher's head that when we take that time to ask forgiveness, it really is gone. Gone. Jesus didn't pay for most of our sins. Jesus paid for all of our sins, and he made us holy. He made us consecrated or set apart to a sacred use or to the service or worship of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Back to Matthew 21. And we're going to look at uh, verses 6 and 7. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt and put it on them, their, put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. You don't have to turn to it. I'm going to read Mark, the, this, the version in Mark as well. And they went their way and found the colt tied to by the door without in a place where two ways meet, met. And they loosed him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. So they said to the guys, Well, the Lord needs it. And they're like, Oh, okay. Sure. So, I thought about this. <laughs> I thought about those two disciples. <laughs> I thought about those two disciples. Hey, it's uh, James and John, the two brothers of Zebedee. And Jesus comes up to them and he says, okay, this is what I want you guys to do. I want you to go down into Bethpage and you're going to see this mom and baby cold, and they're going to be tied there, and you're going to take them and bring them to me. And um, so being the good servants that James and John are, they're like, yes, master, we'll go and do this. So now they're walking down into Bethpage, right? Because they're not in Bethpage. You have to walk into, they have to walk into um, 
whatever the city is, maybe it's not Beth Page, but anyway, they have to walk into the city to get this colt. And so they're walking there, and it's kind of silent as they're walking. And then John, who's the bit more boisterous one, says, um, this kind of feels like we're stealing this uh, donkey and its baby. Uh, what do you think, James? <laughs> and James like, um, well, yeah, but the, I kind of, yeah, but that's what Jesus said. He said to go down and get the donkey. I mean, we don't even know where we're going to find the donkey, but we're supposed to go and get the donkey. And so we're just walking, and okay, we're going to get the donkey and his baby. And, and John's like, yeah, but I don't know about this, man. And and so I'm like, okay, well. So they they get into the city, and, and they're walking along like, hmm, okay, where's this donkey? Remember, they don't have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. Right? They've just had they've just had an instruction from Jesus, their master. And so they walk in and they're walking in and they're like, okay, well, hopefully nobody's around <laughs> when we go and find this donkey and this and its baby. And so they're walking like, oh, well, there we go. There's the donkey and the baby. And and they're like, oh. So they're, they're hanging back, and they're kind of checking out the situation, right? So there's people there, and they're like, okay, there's people here. So we just need to be kind of try to be incognito and just kind of fly under the radar here and go and just kind of quietly untie these donkeys and, and, and take them with us, and, and maybe nobody will notice. Yeah, quiet. And so... The donkeys, so they come up to the donkeys. They're trying to be quiet. And like Pastor Gwen just said, donkeys are not quiet. And so they start to untie th these donkeys. And the donkeys are looking at them like, you're not my master. And John, James and John are like, whoa, man. Shh, shh, shh. And the people, they come. And they're like, um, excuse me. What are you guys doing? And they're like, well. We're um we're taking this donkey and its baby. Uh, why? Um, well, cause the Lord needs it. Oh, okay, sure, great, enjoy them. <laughs> and James and John are like, okay. <laughs> the question comes to mind: Do we trust God enough? to follow the instructions he's given us, even if they do not make sense in the natural. Do we trust God enough to follow the instructions he gives us, even if they do not make sense in the natural? So, for them, they just had to wait a week. Until the, well, a little bit longer. But the beginning of it, the resurrection, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the one that lives on the inside of us, where we can walk and we get that unction that comes up from inside of us. You need to do this. And you're like, what? I need to do what? That just doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense in the natural. when we found our house. 
we had a list of things that we were looking for specifically in our house. And we've been looking at tons and tons of houses. It's been a good, what, four or five years by now? Something like that. We've been looking. We'd looked at tons and tons of houses. And I saw this one house, and I didn't even tell Heather or the girls about it because it just didn't, didn't tick any of the boxes. And so we're carrying on, and I think about a week had gone by, and Bethany's like, well, I saw this house. Why don't we just, why don't we just go and see it? And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, okay, well, we can go and see it. It's not, it's not too far away. And it didn't make any sense in the natural. But Bethany got that unction to go and have a look at this house. And we pulled up to the house, and we go and we walk in, I mean, we'd seen the video online and, and, and all the write-ups about it and stuff like that. And a lot of the times, they can take the pictures of the houses that make them look like the rooms look like twice the size that they actually are and all that kind of stuff. So you really need to go and see the actual house, right? And so we walk into this house, and we're, what, maybe two, three steps into the house or something along the line. And, and all four of us are like, oh, this is our house. This is our house. We just know this is our house. And we walk through the house and we're just like more and more blessed as we walk through the house. It didn't make any sense in the natural because it didn't tick our boxes that we, we had been looking for necessarily. We didn't look exactly like we thought it would look. But we trusted God. We trusted God in Bethany. That she hears Bethany, that, sorry, that Bethany hears God. We trusted that she is his child and hears him. And so we acted on that and we went to this house and we knew right away that was our house. We didn't look at the natural, we went on that unction. Oh, hallelujah! Hallelujah. We have the Holy Spirit. We have that unction on the inside of us. Sometimes you need to get your brain out of the way. Sometimes you need to get your mind out of the way and trying to rationalize what the Lord's telling you to do. Because sometimes it doesn't make sense to our own mind. But you know that you know that you know on the inside. That's what we're supposed to do. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. When I say unction, that means knowing. You just have a knowing on the inside of you. Just, you just know. You just know. Jerry Savelle calls it, you know when you're nowhere. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. Okay, Matthew 21 and 8 and 9. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them. And strawed them means to lay them out in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Oh, hallelujah. So they're praising Jesus as he's coming in here. He's on the colt. 
he's on the donkey, and he, the, the garments are laid on the donkeys, and he's coming in, and they've got people before him laying stuff down, and they've got people behind him, and they're all praising him. They're all saying this, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that come in, come in the, sorry, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is a big to-do. It was a huge fanfare. It was like a parade down Main Street. Everybody came out to see. It would be like the, the, the victory parade if the Canucks ever won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> there would be a huge parade, right? People would all come out and they'd be cheering and woohoo, woohoo. I have actually had experience with doing fanfares like this when I was in cadets as a teenager. So there was two times when I was a uh, cadet, um, a sea cadet as a teenager that the queen came to town in Victoria when I, when I grew up in Victoria. And both times, um, the cadet corps were called on to be part of the, pro the, the profession, uh, processional walk from where she was coming up to the uh, legislative buildings in downtown Victoria. One time she was actually staying on HMS uh, Britannica, their, the, the Queen's ship. I don't think they even have it anymore. Um, and so we got to line the walkway and all of, all of the crowd would stand behind us. And so all of these cadets were lining the walkway from the Inner Harbor all the way up to the legislative buildings and we got to stand there and the queen like was like you know three feet away from me as she would walk by and there was all this fanfare and you know red carpets and 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 bands playing and and you know pomp and ceremony and everything so that's what was happening here that's what was happening here great rejoicing yes. <laughs> the, and now what were they rejoicing about Think about this. Their idea of a king was Old Testament. Right? They have no concept of what Jesus was going to do for them. So much greater than the king of an Old Testament. But the king of the Old Testament protected them, went to war, got them away from their oppressors. So that's what they had on their mind at this point. As they're praising Jesus and worshiping him and giving glory to him, they're thinking, woohoo, the king has come to save the day. Save us from our oppressors. This is actually, the, what they were yelling out to him was actually a fulfillment of another prophecy. In uh, Psalm 118, in verses 26 and 27, I'll quickly read that for you. Psalm 118, 26 and 27. It says, Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Ooh, that's exactly what that said. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. Verse 27. 
It goes a bit further. God is the Lord, which has showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. So this full prophecy happened, or part of this, the first part of this prophecy happened here when they were yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, hallelujah. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. But this also talked about just a wait a week where he was going to be tied to the horns of the altar, which was the cross for him. And that's the best part about all of this. So you go a week forward and Jesus has been taken captive. Garden of Gethsemane has already happened. He's been taken captive. captive. He's gone before all of the magistrates and he's before um, uh, Pontius Pilate at this point. And Pilate is saying to them, um, look, man, we can't find anything wrong with this guy. Uh, and, but it's customary at this time on, on what we call Easter weekend for us to release someone to you. And so they decide, well, let's release Barabbas. And they're like, but Barabbas, he's done like all this nasty stuff. Jesus has, we find nothing wrong with Jesus. What he's, he hasn't done anything here. And they're like, kill Jesus. Let him be crucified is actually exactly what they said. Let him be crucified. Let him be crucified. This is just a week later. These are the same people that were praising him as he came in on the triumphant entry at the beginning of Holy Week. The same people. Remember, they were thinking, king coming to lead the Jews, get them out of the oppression of the Romans at that time. No more Philistines. But the Romans at that time, so some questions came up in my mind about this. Are we putting our ideas of what Jesus should be doing or does on him? Because that's what they were doing. They had their idea of what Jesus should do to free them. They obviously hadn't listened or retained what he had been talking about. Or are we going to the written word of God and letting truth define who he is and what he does? Selah. It's an important thing to ask. And it's... Now... I say this, it's not a big deal because the correction is easy because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Is the word of God truth for us? Do you believe in God or do you believe God? Those are two very different things. I grew up believing in God. I went to church. I can't remember when I, I was so young, I couldn't remember. I can't remember when I started going to church, but I grew up going to church every Sunday. I was part of the choir. I was part of the songsters, and I got to sing. 
I didn't have a relationship with God, but I believed in God. I knew there was a God, but I didn't believe God. His word wasn't truth for me at that point. Do we believe it in all circumstances or just some? These people got disillusioned because they didn't understand what Jesus was doing. See, we don't have to wait a week. What Jesus has done for us happened 2,000 years ago. He went to the cross. That's Good Friday for us. He was crucified on that cross. And then three days later, he rose again. And he said in the Gospels that I have to go. If I don't go, I can't send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to dwell on the inside of us. Before, they had to go to the temple to talk to God. And even in, these, in the New Testament times, the times of these Gospels, God actually wasn't even in the temple at that point. There was still a, the, the veil up to the Holy of Holies, but God wasn't in the temple anymore. Hadn't spoken to the Israelites in like 400 years. We are now the holy temple of God. He lives on the inside of us. We get to believe him. And he makes it easy for us because he lives on the inside of us. The wholeness of him is on the inside of us. We get to walk in him every day. Even closer to, like, when Heather and I go for a walk and we hold hands and we're right next to each other and we're going for a walk around our neighborhood. He's even closer than that. Because we're, like, shoulder to shoulder right beside each other. He's closer than that because he lives on the inside of us. In his completeness. In his wholeness. We don't have to wait a week. We have all of this that I've been talking about right now. Right here. Let's let God work in us. What he wants, what he wants to will and do. He has such a grand purpose for every single one of us that I'm looking at right now. Such a grand purpose. And we don't have to wait a week. We have it right now. We have it every day of our lives. We have the ability to change somebody's life every day of our lives. As we walk through our lives, every day of our lives, we have the ability to change somebody's life. To open their eyes to a love that they can't comprehend in their own mind. To open their eyes to healing that has no, um, that has no qualifications on it. To open their eyes to a peace that this world can't take away. We have the opportunity to share that with people every single day of our lives. Because we don't have to wait a week. 
He's given those gifts to every man. The ability to walk in those gifts, to share with every man. He's given the truth of his word, placed it on the inside of us, right? John 1 says the Bible, that the word was, became flesh. That's Jesus. Jesus lives on the inside of us through the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the word of God lives on the inside of us. The truth of God lives on the inside of us. Let's let it do its work in us and through us. I often say that the satisfaction of walking with God completely eclipses any satisfaction that we can get in our lives by walking our own way. Completely eclipses it. Doesn't, it's not even in the same ballpark, not even in the same city of how satisfying it is to walk in God's promise for you. To walk in His wholeness, to walk in His purpose. There's nothing greater than that. Nothing. So, we have that all right now. I encourage you. Let God use it in your life. Let Him use it in your life. Then we get to share the testimonies of what God's doing on the inside of us and what He's doing through us for other people. And that encourages people. The Bible actually says it makes our bones fat. It just, it strengthens us. It gives us, it, it, it shows us who our God is. It, in, it gives us understanding of the truth that's placed on the inside of us. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W3B1.